Vogel, and this is my podcastee, a.k.a. my dad, Mark Vogel. Hi, Felix. Great to be back here. It is already February. The All-Star break is almost here. How did this happen? It feels like the season's flying by. I mean, yeah, it is partially our fault for, you know, waiting 15 games rather than five to record, but a lot's been going on. There's been a lot of Warriors talk, though, a lot of new gossip, r- new rumors, and so we can, we, we'll get into that in a second, as well as our predictions, but... Dad, episode 60, I know we kind of reminisce every single pod how far along we are, but this is a landmark, yeah? Did you realize that I didn't say, oh my god, I can't believe it, it's already episode 60, I was very intentional. I was very intentional, but just, I feel like it needed to slip out again, I don't know, it's just... (laughs) Well, speaking of episode 60, quick Jersey trivia, Felix, do you know how many people have ever worn the number 60 in the NBA? It's very, very rare. I think there's only been one person. That is correct. I think... This dude happened to only play 21 games in his NBA career. Wild guess. Am I, am I correct, so far? You are nailing this. Did he happen to average exactly 6.7 points a game? It's incredible. It's wow. almost as if you so... snuck a peek at the iPad that I was doing my homework on for this very bit. <laughs> All right. Indeed, Jonathan Gibson played 21 games for the Celtics and the Mavericks in the 2016-2017 seasons. And then that's it. The only guy to wear number 60 in the NBA. Tens of thousands of players have suited up. And really, statistically, it should, it sh- there should be more than just one. We should move on, but I'm really just counting it down until we get to episode 95. But we got a long ways to go before we can celebrate our beloved warrior who wore number 95. And uh, Felix, let's get into it, because you're so right. There have been so many storylines, and in the last 15 games, the month of January, the Warriors went 4-6 and six over the last 10 games, but I'm going to glass half full it here. The last five games, we've gone 3-2, and two, and the two losses we dropped by just one point. So what do you make of all this? Well, I mean, you know, last, last pod, I was very pessimistic. I was very annoyed and aggravated, especially at one certain coach. Oh, Dad, I think we should uh, take a moment to tell our listeners about a tragedy that had happened. That's right. A Warriors assistant coach, Deki Mer- Melo, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Melovic, a Serbian, That's right. a Serbian basketball coach who had a ginormous impact on the game and as well as the development of James Weissman, had a heart attack at 45. At the team dinner in Utah just a couple of weeks ago, it was just traumatic and shocking, and um, it brought the Warriors to a standstill. They didn't play the two games they had scheduled that week to honor his memory and just grieve. The Warriors clearly just were not in a state to play, and so they honored him, and they continue to honor him. So that happened in the middle of January. Um, Draymond has come back since we last talked. He was serving that indefinite suspension. Mm-hmm. Now he's regained, rejoined the team for the last five games. Yes. So other storylines, Chris Paul is still out. Gary Payton is out. Moody has had some nagging injuries. Half so stuff. But with Draymond's return, um, we talked about what we hope to be, and now we can tell you what it is. It statistically is almost identical to how he was performing before. He's not stepping it up really in any specific areas, except if we need that big man defense and Wiggins has elevated his game. Draymond's numbers and stats may not be popping off, but he's clearly making other people feel, not just feel, other people play much better, including 
Andrew Wiggins. And also something interesting about him is um, Kyle bridging these two storylines together. Kaminga has reached... We've never seen him performing at the level that he's performed uh, right now. With Draymond returning, he is still continuing to start. He has averaged 20, like, four points the past, like, 15 games. He's on a tear, but it's not just a little hot streak. He's doing it consistently on a high efficiency. Um, But the thing with Draymond being an athletic five, an athletic five rather than Looney, we can have Wiggins, Draymond, and Kaminga all in our starting lineup. I guess the question is, like, what makes somebody a great team player? They're individual talents, of course, but making somebody uh, a great team player. And to me, it's making other people play better. And that's what Draymond does. Clearly on defense, quarterbacking where assignments need to be and who needs to cover what. And on offense, making plays for people, giving them the confidence, telling Kaminga to go get it, making Wiggins' game um, a little simpler. And that clearly is helping helping him just yeah. know when to attack. And then, as you said, the other big storyline, I think, is this is just an incredible breakout. And, Felix, you have been kind of waiting for this. You, you got your Kaminga jersey last season, so you had a feeling this guy was special. I mean, I hate to say I told you so. Actually, I love to say that I told you so. I told everybody so. People didn't believe me. That could be the name of this podcast, Felix's I Told You So podcast. I mean, it wasn't even the hottest take in retrospect. People are saying it wasn't a hot take. It was a hot take three months ago, but now they're saying, oh, we all saw this happening. No, no, you guys didn't. He's really doing well. He's athletic. He can score inside. He can draw fouls and make his free throws. And, you know, this this season, though Curry is leading the league in free throw percentage, it doesn't feel like it. No. It feels like we've been missing really a lot of weird. our free throws. It does. Um, but it's just like the little things he's contributing as well as his stats. I've been thinking about what this last 10-game stretch for Kaminga kind of reminds me of because it really does feel like an electric breakout. Every time he has the ball, I'm looking for him to score, to do something he wasn't doing before. Reminds me a little bit of Lynn's sanity. That that special period where this guy Jeremy Lynn, yeah, it's not quite the same because of course Kaminga was a number six draft pick and there were high expectations and he's been on the team and he scored twenty points before. Uh-huh. But this last ten games really feels like I can't take my eyes off. What is he going to do tonight? How long can it last? Like last night he had twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Today he's going up against the Hawks, not a great defending team. Sooner or later he might pop off for forty. The way he plays, he could get 60 points. Yeah. But the way he plays, we don't need him to get 60 points. We need him to get 30 points in great defense. Yeah. And that, I think he does more of the team with contributing that. Obviously, 60 is a whole different category, but like 35, 40. Since my birthday on January 21st, things have been trending up. It might coincidentally be when Draymond started coming back and Kaminga really took off. Yeah. But we can also talk about the last two games, Dad. Yeah. Let's talk about it. We've went three and two in our last five games. Solid. Um, we beat Philadelphia. They were without Tyrese Maxian and B got injured halfway through the game. So that was kind of a gimme game. We beat Memphis, blowout. But we beat or we lost to um, guess who? The Kings. Another tragedy. But <laughs> it didn't sting in the same way uh, that first game stung. Yeah. You know, we we played hard. Um, it did. It came down to the last thirty seconds, but there weren't any. I wasn't. I guess I was screaming at the TV, but I wasn't. I didn't feel that, like the after the after sting. I yeah. just like creating. No, noise. you're you're right. There have been some serious gut punches this season that have made us hopping mad, and um, I, I won't. I'll sort of say it to our listeners here, Felix. We've had some 
behavioral incidents where you've been called for a technical by various parents based on your reaction to uh, those gut punch losses. Mm -hmm. But that didn't feel so bad. How come? I think it just... Well, I sort of had my scapegoat of Steve Kerr. By the way, guys, I... I still don't really like Steve Kerr. He, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. On, my opinion hasn't changed on him very much. He forgot to. He didn't call a timeout with eight seconds left when we had the ball. Okay, you're digressing. From I'm, just, digression. I'm just saying that that was probably the reason why we lost the game. Um, but I feel like we played hard and we showed different sides of the way we could score and the way we could move the ball offensively. Like when we we lost to Denver by one, we talked about that game. But yeah, and that was like, just this crazy last uh-huh. second shot by Jokic from half court. Exactly. Yeah. So. I thought I thought we did all right. Now, following that one, last Saturday night, yeah, they played the <laughs> Lakers at home. Oh my! Wow. Not one overtime, but a double overtime. Lost and by one. Point. Lost by one. I mean, with Curry and LeBron, it just keeps getting better and better. That was like epic. the older they're getting, it's like it's like wine. The NBA should be like beer, but it's like wine, you know? <laughs> People should expire at like 26, but no. These guys are 36 and still carrying I do think when they make the documentaries the about minute. LeBron's career and about Curry's career, and maybe they'll make a special documentary about their rivalry and this age of I'm the sure modern NBA, yeah. that game will be definitely included. I know Stephen A. would absolutely brutally murder me if I said this, but it does remind me of what I think and read and learn to be Magic Johnson and Larry Bird's legacy. Yeah. Uh, the Showtime Lakers, LeBron's sort of Magic Johnson. Yeah. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> <laughs> and then Curry's like Larry Bird. I think you're so right. This 10-year stretch from like 2014, here we are, 2024. Mm-hmm. Those guys have been in the finals so much. They've LeBron has led different teams to the finals, but he has four rings. Curry has four rings. These are the Titans. Nobody else is even close. Something I'd like to mention... Is that it was last that game last Saturday night that LeBron had a career high in rebounding, and that stands out to me more than even points. Yeah, because rebounding's a physical, the most physical part of the game, and he's still getting up there with dudes ten years, fifteen years younger than him, and he had twenty three rebounds that game. Um, Curry put up thirty seven, LeBron put up forty. Curry put up ten assists, LeBron put up twenty three rebounds. Like it was just a beautiful game to watch. Kerr, I know you've got your problems with him, but he played Kaminga thirty nine minutes in that game. I mean, and he was Kerr, quiet in overtime, but he was doing Kerr great. Kerr is trusting Kaminga, and um, that's been a key to the success. He showed it there. Let's talk about lineups. Yeah, because now that Draymond is back and Wiggins is playing better and playing with Kaminga, have things settled down? When it comes to trusting Kaminga and lineups being set, I like where Kerr has chosen to take a point, and I think the lesser minutes of um, Pajemski and Trace is doing us well. They're fitting into their roles, which is key, and I think Clay Thompson sort of needs to step up as far as his placement in the starting lineup because with Kaminga starting now, taking up that wing spot, and Chris Paul soon to come back, someone's on the chopping block for minutes as far as starters go. And if we don't get rid of Wiggins, it's Clay is close. So something you said in episode 59 was that 
all of this moving around and Kerr being indecisive about who's in and out of the lineup was really causing problems, not just at the beginning of the game, but in the closing lineups. And we've played 30 clutch games, 30 clutch, so many close by games, nine games, and we have dropped so many of them by one point, by two points. So I'm hopeful that now that things have settled, not just in the starting lineup, but the closing lineup, that we're going to get better at finishing games. And that's where I think there will have to be some night-by-night decision-making about whether Clay has got it going and, and needs to be on the floor in the last couple of minutes, or when Chris Paul comes back, you're going to want that uh, guy who's not going to turn it over. And you don't you want the ball in somebody besides Steph's hands so he can get open. I mean, the Steph, again, like Larry Bird, towards the end of his career, shined out when he needed it. But he needed other people yeah. to do some of the work for him midway through the game. Right. And I think that's where Chris Paul is going to come in handy. That's where Jonathan Kaminga's power is going to come in handy. And I just feel as though, you know, Curry, though he is beloved, he is our lord and savior as far as our dynasty. <laughs> um, he has thrown away the ball, I can remember, three times this season yeah. in where – in which he threw away the ball to be stolen, and we lost the game because of that. And you can point that at Curry, or you can point at the fact that Kevin Herter and De'Aaron Fox were able to trap him in the half court because Clay Thompson didn't want the ball with three seconds left. Felix, one thing we haven't even mentioned yet, and it's crazy because I think two weeks ago it's all we were talking about, the trade deadline is next week. And 10... I don't... Take a break. There's so much. Okay, so much to talk about. Let's, Gotta let's take a break. Bed, bath, and beyond, everybody. Let's, let's see. Are they the even in business anymore? Uh, just whatever. See after the break. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Untuck Shorts, fellow listeners. I can promise you, I'm less frantic than I was before the start of the break. I think for the second half of this. Dad, we're going to get into a different and more confusing sort of topic. So you're telling listeners if they haven't been confused so far, get ready, buckle up. It's about to get Yeah, confused. no, you shouldn't be confused so far. Just, yeah. Um, <laughs> I started off by thinking 20 minutes ago that there were 16 games left in the season. Then I was informed that there was more. So assuming that there were 21 games left, I calculated up some more stats. So ultimately, with 36 games left in the NBA regular season... The Warriors are the 12th seed and are not currently eligible for the playoffs or even the season play-in, which is what we're going to get to because we're not going to make the playoffs anymore without – we're going to have to go through the play-in. I looked at the records. I looked at uh, most people in the Western Conference's future games to end the season, and they have pretty easy schedules, so we're not going to be able to make the playoffs regularly. We're going to the play-in no matter what. And sort of the question that lies here is with 36 games remaining, where do we want to be sort of going into mid-April? Because playing predictions are difficult because everybody jumbles up as far as the standings go in April. So I don't want to even get into that. But going into April, where do we want to be as a team? Dad, do you get any of these weird markings on the board? Yeah, you've done a lot of crazy math. You have not wanted to watch the movie A Beautiful Mind, even though it's been suggested to you, but this whiteboard here in our kitchen studio today looks very much like A Beautiful Mind, if that means anything to anybody at home. You have got lots of names of teams, theoretical records, if-then possibilities, what will it take to get to different seeds. I can't quite follow it, but Felix, for the next 20-game stretch, let's say, how many games do the Warriors need to win to be in a position to... Not just make the plan, but be 
be a, have a home court advantage, have to win one game instead of two. In other words, to be the seventh or eighth seed. All right, so the teams that are currently 7 through 12 are the 7 seed Pelicans, 8 seed Mavericks, 9 seed Lakers, 10 seed Rockets, 11 seed Jazz, 12 seed Warriors, all right? I looked at, out of these teams, the Pelicans have a very easy end of the season, and so they're going to kind of stay at the 7 seed. Uh, over the next 20 games, we're not going to be able to pass to surpass them, right? Because we have a pretty difficult schedule. So Pelicans sort of have seven seed in the books. Now, if we want to be the eight seed in the next 20 games, we'd have to go 15 and five, all right? Um, because that, because the Rockets have a difficult, so they're going to drop. Mavs are, I just don't like the Dallas Mavericks. I don't like where they're going with a franchise. Can we talk about that a little more? Because... Luca might be the scoring champ this year, and I haven't watched them. We were supposed to go to their game, but it was one of those games that was postponed because of um, Decky's passing, so that's been rescheduled. Why, why are you down on the Mavericks? I always have a little grudge against them, um, sort of as a franchise. Yeah. They annoy me, and I don't like Kyrie. And yeah. it, You know, last year they didn't even make the play, did they? Right? They had that terrible end of the season. Right. So it is a team that can fall apart, and they have potentially the toughest end-of-season schedule out of everyone in the NBA. So I think Dallas Mavericks, boom, out. We can, we can get by them pretty easily. But if we want to be the 8th seed, we have to go 15-5. And that includes beating New York. Or no, that includes beating Philadelphia, Indiana, and the Lakers. Right? Those are hard teams to beat. Right? Uh, I just highlighted three of them. In, in this 15-5 stretch, we would only lose to the New York Knicks, Boston Celtics, Milwaukee, Clippers and Phoenix. Those are tough teams, you can agree. Then, if we want to be the ninth seed, the eighth seed would be the LA Lakers, and the Jazz, who have a fairly tough schedule in fall, we would probably need to go 13 and 7. So close, but we can, af- we can afford to drop like a game here or there, maybe a fall apart to the Lakers or a fall apart to Philadelphia, right? So 13 and 7 would be a solid. Um, Nine seed going into April. The 10th seed, we don't want to be there, but we could go there, is sort of like the traditional Warriors season record, 11-9, and nine, barely clawing for 500. If we go 11-9, and nine, we would be the 10th seed, but we would be really in a tough position. I think the Warriors can go 15-5. and five. My question, though, is can we do that with the current roster or... Do we have to do something before the trade deadline next week? And if so, what are the options? <laughs> that was just a little funny to hear when you said my question, though, because at first I thought, you know, I just went on, what, like a six-minute monologue, right? And if it wasn't answering your question at all, it would have been so annoying. <laughs> so I was like, thank you for that, Felix. But my question is, uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Yes, that is not <laughs> right. what I asked you and it's 17 not. minutes ago. It is not a hot dog's not a sandwich, by the way. I'm just gonna put that out there. A couple of weeks ago, when things were so shaky, we were dropping these games. It really wow. felt it really felt like, with the exception of Steph, everybody else could go. Could go. I mean, Draymond could go. You, Clay you had could friends go. saying that we'd get rid it's, of. It's just time to get Steph and um, everybody, every young guy on a cheap contract, and otherwise everybody's up for grabs. I don't feel that way right now. In fact, based on what you were saying earlier. Uh, and I agree with this lineup that is now starting to gel and come together. I think it's actually, to me, harder to imagine moving 
Wiggins. Um, definitely don't want to offer Kaminga up to anybody. No. I mean, he, he's the future of this team. If Kaminga leaves, I can't even, like, this is a PG podcast, so I can't even unleash the, the, the rage yeah, that would and get ugly. felonies get ugly. I would commit to the city of San Francisco and to the personal lives of some of the Warriors staff. Okay, Felix, remember this is being recorded, and I want to transmit this over federally approved airwaves, so yep. All right. sure. let's not premeditate any crimes here. I think people who are worth keeping is uh, who you may think could be on the chopping block is Gary Payton, because defensively, he, he'd be just a great third guard to put in there just to get some of the greats like Darren Fox, yeah. and he could get Luka Doncic. Thinking like a GM has to be so ruthless because the way you feel emotionally about a player from game to game is so drastically different. If Wiggins goes 0 for 13 tonight, we'd say trade him. But then if the next night he drops 60, we'd say keep him, right? But the GM has to think, what's he going to do on a consistent basis? I don't see our lineup going. I don't see the lineup we have right now being good enough to make a dent in the playoff. I want to get someone off a bad team who finds motivation, right? It's like Chris Paul was much... He was happier to go here than to the Washington Wizards because he knew he could win a championship, right? And though that didn't pan out you know, fully correctly, still that mentality. I want someone coming in with that mentality. I know this is too far-fetched, but like a DeJounte Murray kind of guy, 20 points offensive guard, right? We can't get that, but we get someone a couple levels down. Yeah. Then I think the only other move we'd have to make is just getting rid of one of our expensive players. And that's difficult. We got we can get rid of Wiggins. Clay's not going anywhere. Clay's not going anywhere. Maybe in the summer there'll be a whole reset when his contract's up and he wants more money than we can pay him. But Clay is not going anywhere. Dad, do you agree with my point that we'd want to get someone who comes in with motivation? Right? Yes. yes. But motivation has no physical talent, right? Motivation doesn't go on the stat sheet. Looney, what he does for our team environment, that doesn't go on the stat sheet. And that's more valuable than... So much, so many different people, right? Beautifully put. I agree. I don't want to see him go. I'm, I'm attached, but I'm attached. I always have a hard time imagining when, when we, when GP left to go to the Trailblazers, I was torn up about like, it. If we could get rid of Chris Paul for like Tyus Jones, hmm. like not literally him, but someone yeah. with that idea, yeah, like. Who's not no, gonna, I agree. Chris, Chris Paul uh, looked really good at the beginning of the season. Who knows when he's coming back from the broken hand, how well he will be playing, how many minutes. He's got that contract, which is relatively easy to move. So if the next time we record this, Chris Paul is not on the team, I won't be shocked. Yeah, I have no, I have no bad blood with him. I don't really get mad at him. It's not his fault. It, it's, he's just not going to like springboard into like, wow, he got 17 points tonight. Exactly. Um, and we need we need 17 points off the bench, right? Yeah. With Kaminga starting now, yeah, we need 17 points off the bench. Okay, well, Felix, uh, we've done some predictions on the next set of games. We basically need to win three out of four of them coming up. We're in the yeah. middle of a road road run right now. Uh, one last night in Memphis. We've got Atlanta today. Think we can win? Oh yeah, I think we could win. They're Trey Young's come back from a concussion. You can see he's still a little topsy turbsy. <laughs> topsy turbsy. Um, and I think I think this is a winnable game. And I look at this as a must win game. 
because coming up, we've also got games. We've got some rougher ones coming up. We've got uh, Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Though maybe without Embiid, who I think with is going to be. You think he'll be back? Um, I just don't see us winning that game. If Maxi and Embiid are there at home, that'll be tough. What about Brooklyn? I think we played Brooklyn. Yeah, we played Brooklyn. Um, we should beat Brooklyn. We should beat Brooklyn. Steph plays well in Brooklyn. Yeah, Ben Simmons is now back from a long-term back injury. Um, but that won't really make a difference. I'm just kind of naming headlines I heard. Well, I think Cam Johnson, I know he's uh, a player. Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas, I mean. Yeah, no, he's been doing well, but we, we can stop We can stop guards. That's Shooting guards, we can we can stop shooting guards. We play Jazz. We play the Jazz next five. That's right, we have a couple games against the Jazz coming up. And they just got Colin Sexton, who is now like a twenty-five and really seven that player. good. Like since he got to the Jazz, he's wow. the number two. Um, and I think that'll be that'll be an interesting matchup. But I think I think in our next five, we could go like four and one. Is because I'm coming in optimistic, right? So, well, that's a great note to end on. Felix is optimistic at this point in the season that has really continued to surprise us and wobble and go topsy-turbsy um, from the beginning. But here we are with 36 games left and an all-star break coming up and a trade deadline coming up. So next time we pod, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And I think that'll do it for today. That'll do it for today? All right. Well, thank you for listening. We will see you next time on Untucked Shorts. Shorts.